When the pandemic started, most doctors seemed to think that COVID was an illness that typically lasted about two weeks. Now we know a lot of people are still suffering months after they were infected. I feel better, but I know I'm not 100 percent. And so I haven't felt that way yet um, since March 14th. As we learn more about COVID, we're finding that for these long haulers, as they've started calling themselves, it can be tough to figure out what's actually a symptom of the virus and what's a kind of after effect, including possible psychological trauma. Now, a University of Pennsylvania clinic is trying to figure out why these patients are still suffering after so long. I'm Shai Benyakov. This is The Why. WHYY health reporter Nina Feldman talked to several long haulers in the region about their experiences. Nina, tell me about Melissa Mazur and her experience with COVID. Melissa is a 39-year-old attorney. She works in Center City, and she lives in South Philadelphia. And in mid-March, right as Philadelphia and the surrounding region was starting to shut down, Melissa started feeling sick. The first day when I felt sick was March 14th. Uh, That was a Saturday before everything locked down. And it really just came on as like a flu or a cold or something. She had a sore throat. She had a fever. She had a tight chest. She was really tired. Nothing super extreme, pretty mild symptoms, but definitely typical COVID symptoms. When it happened, I was like, okay, I've got this thing. No big deal. They're telling me just two weeks. I'll be fine. At the time, you know, the word on the street was, if your symptoms aren't serious, don't go to the doctor, don't go to the hospital, don't get a test. So she didn't do any of those things. I did what they were telling us to do at the time, which is, you know, like stay in your house and take care of yourself. She hunkered down at home and made herself some tea and rested up. And, you know, that seemed to work. She started to feel better after about two weeks. But then after about three weeks. I started having trouble breathing. It was um, kind of unusual because I was just pretty much still resting and I was sitting on my couch and all of a sudden it felt like as if I had just run a 5k and I couldn't catch my breath. Then a week later she started getting a throbbing pain in her neck. And it started in my right neck and it happened at night. It wasn't like I slept funny or anything like that. I had this like sudden throbbing pain in my neck. And around that time, a New York Times report had come out that found that in a small minority of young patients who got COVID, they were having strokes. So that really worried me. So she called her general practitioner and she was really surprised. The doctor told her that I probably didn't have COVID because she can't have it for more than two weeks. And that struck her as really odd. We don't know anything about this virus, was the way she was thinking. And, and how do you know it's not COVID? And, you know, every day new research is coming out. I actually did start just Googling and seeing what else was out there. And some of my symptoms were um, on par with what they were seeing in, like, Seattle, um, which was a little ahead of the curve. Her symptoms just kept on coming, and she kept a log of them in the absence of any sort of other guidance. She had a racing heartbeat. She had 
gastrointestinal issues. She had what a lot of people describe as like a brain fog, fuzzy memory, hard to recall words, difficulty focusing on any one individual thing for a very long time. It became really hard because people were starting to question like, are you sure this isn't all in your head? Are you sure that this isn't like you're just really stressed about everything happening in the world? And that's just not who I am. That's not how I handle things. I'm like the doer in the beginning. Like, so I'm ready to like figure out what can we do? How can we make it better? So this was really early in the pandemic. Back in April, doctors seem to think this is really like a two-week illness and then it, it has run its course. What do we know at this point about how long COVID lasts? Like, are doctors seeing a lot of cases like this where people have symptoms beyond that two-week mark? The pandemic is young enough that there's only so much research that can have been done at this point to bear out people who have long-term symptoms. But there are a couple of studies that show Melissa is not alone. One of them recently came out from the CDC here, and it found not even among patients who had critical cases of COVID, but even people who had moderate cases like Melissa, who were young, you know, in the 18 to 34 range, no chronic medical conditions, about 20% of people in that demographic still had some kind of symptoms, you know, two or three weeks out. Mm. And the reason that I think doctors started thinking about this as a two-week illness is because that's what we see with similar viruses. It's what we see with, you know, SARS, other coronaviruses, and the flu. Um, but the evidence is starting to show that some form of this disease or some lasting effects of this disease lasts longer than people originally assumed it might. And how is that sort of evolving understanding of what COVID is? How is that impacting the care that people are actually getting? Some people are not getting the care that they want. Their doctors, I think often primary care doctors, are not comfortable making recommendations because this is uncharted territory and they just, they don't know. Um, and in those cases, I think you end up with people turning to Facebook groups and subreddits and Slack channels for people who have ongoing symptoms of COVID where they share research and commiserate over symptoms and kind of figure out, is this is this something that other people are dealing with? Which, you know, has its dangers to sort of be all citizen doctors figuring that out together. Right. But but I think those folks are left with no other choice in a lot of cases. You are starting to see now, though, that there are some clinics specifically designed to look at people with ongoing COVID symptoms starting to crop up, including at the University of Pennsylvania. The clinic opened in June, and it's an interdisciplinary team. So, you know, you have pulmonologists. I'm Jessica Nine. I'm a pulmonologist at Penn where I'm also the director of the Advanced Consultative Pulmonary Group. But you also have people who usually deal with long-term spinal cord injuries who just are mm. used to dealing with people rehabilitating from being in the hospital for a long time. Or you also have, you know, psychiatrists who are dealing with people's mental health after a disease like this. And, you know, sometimes it turns out that the symptoms a patient comes in with aren't necessarily a result of the virus still circulating in their system. It might be the immune system's response to the virus, or, you know, maybe a racing heart is actually a function of anxiety, not COVID. Um, and maybe 
extreme fatigue is the result of somebody having taken antihistamines and they come uh, present with fatigue. Fatigue is a very common syndrome of post-coronavirus syndrome. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's the antihistamine and we stop the antihistamine and they feel better. I think it's important to note that those things don't make the symptoms less real or important to treat, but it's just another factor for doctors in trying to figure out how to untangle all these symptoms and treat them appropriately. And I think they're still figuring out how to do that. These persistent symptoms, uh, we you know didn't recognize them until more recently, but now that we're almost six months out from our first cases, we're starting to see more and more of them. They're still figuring out which symptom is a result of the virus, which is the result of the immune system's response to the virus, and which might be a result of, you know, treatments that we've tried to eradicate the virus. It's a sort of new frontier for for medicine right now that, that they're dealing with. When we come back... I remember punching the security guard in the face like I was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Supporting WHYY Penn Medicine, helping to find new cures for cancer. With life-saving clinical trials and advanced surgical techniques, Penn Medicine is offering more hope for patients everywhere. Learn more at pennmedicine.org cancer. Penn Medicine, what's next? This is The Why. I'm Shai Ben-Yakov. I'm talking with WHYY health reporter Nina Feldman about so-called COVID long haulers, whose symptoms persist long beyond the two weeks doctors initially thought they would. Are there other aspects of COVID that we're only now noticing now that we're a little further into the pandemic? Yes. So one of the things that patients and doctors alike are starting to see is the mental health impacts of having had COVID. So from what I understand, I had a couple days in my room, in a regular hospital room. One person I talked to recently is named Jackie Cantor. She's 60 years old. She lives in Cherry Hill. Hmm. And... She went to the hospital on April 1st with a very serious case of COVID. And I remember talking um, mostly to my sister and telling her that I was going to call the radio stations (laughs) because they were trying to commit me. And I guess the reason I thought that was because I was hallucinating. Bugs crawling on the walls and blotchy colors. She at one point became so agitated that she ripped an IV out and ran down the hallway and punched a security guard in the face, (sighs) turned around and fell down. And so I remember that part, like punching the security guard in the face, like I was Buffy the Vampire Slayer, turning around and falling down and watching my cell phone slide down the hall. But I didn't know if it actually happened. And nobody said anything to me. And when I, it wasn't until I ordered my medical chart when I got home. And I was reading it and I said, oh my God, I actually did that. Her oxygen levels dropped so low that she had to be placed on a ventilator. Her lung collapsed. I was on a respirator for six days and they couldn't get me off of it. You know, they kept trying. And she made it, but just barely. I mean, it's the the chances that somebody in that condition would have made it through 
and made it through physically as unscathed as she did is very, very low. And was supposed to be dead, absolutely supposed to be dead. So how is she now? She's not still in that state, is she? She's not. I mean, she came home and she felt pretty good physically. She recovered pretty quickly. But she was still kind of haunted by this sense of fear. It was a fear unlike anything she'd ever experienced before. She would close her eyes and see the image of herself lying in the hospital bed. And it was terrifying. She was afraid to go outside. I still don't go to grocery stores. I just started going into like the local farmer's market because it's small and everybody wears a mask. Her hair started falling out. In a big way. Which is a pretty common symptom of trauma, actually. And then one day she had an incident when she was taking her dogs for a walk. She was out at a lake and... Close to the end of it, I started getting really dizzy. By the time she gets home, the room is spinning and her left hand is numb. And I called 911 and I said, I'm just sure I'm having a stroke. And when the paramedics arrive, the EMT takes one look at her and says, you are having a panic attack. And I've never had anything. This was unbelievable. And the symptoms of anxiety and panic are actually really similar to the symptoms of COVID, shortness of breath, racing heart. And so... Not only if you're feeling anxious about having had COVID, about potentially returning to the hospital, not only do you have that, but then when you start to have an anxiety attack, those symptoms are similar to the symptoms you had when you had the virus. So that just sort of makes it all the more complicated to identify, untangle, and treat for patients and doctors alike. Are there other consequences of just an extended hospital stay, do you think? Absolutely. Post-ICU syndrome is something you see from people who have spent a long time in the intensive care unit. And that can look like anything ranging from just a weak muscle mass because you've been lying down, not using your arms and legs and body for however many days to a loss of voice or damaged vocal cords from being intubated. Um, that can also have psychological or psychiatric impacts because people experience that trauma in the hospital. It can be cognitive issues. So a lot of doctors and patients are now starting to notice um, memory loss, that foggy brain, a difficulty recalling simple words, a, a trouble spelling, just things that are totally normal brain function are a little bit slower to come for some patients who, you know, spent a long time in the hospital. You know, one of the things that the doctors at the post-COVID clinic do is they just tell people that they believe them and they take their concerns seriously and they take their symptoms seriously. But you can't always necessarily offer more information. You know, Jackie and Melissa are both still receiving some kind of care and treatment for their various ongoing symptoms, um, but they still have ongoing symptoms. I mean, they haven't gone away. And I don't think we know what path their recovery will take or if they will fully recover at all. The scary part for the patients is that we just don't know, right? We don't know, is this gonna get better? Is this a lifelong symptom? We don't, we don't, just don't know yet. Nina, thanks for laying all this out and um... Uh, we'll look forward to kind of getting some answers in the months to come. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. WHYY health reporter Nina Feldman. 
The Why is produced by Annette John Hall, Alex Stern, Kelsey Hansen, and Sabrina Boyd Serka, with editorial direction from Katie Culinary. We had editing help on this episode from Joanne McLaughlin. I'm Shai Ben Yaakov. Stay safe, and we'll see you Thursday.